everyday injustice. Too many wrongful convictions, corruption has infected the criminal justice system. Leaving too many people helpless, fighting for their lives instead of receiving justice, people suffer. Is that why they say justice is blind? Hello and welcome to the Everyday Injustice Podcast. I'm your host, David Greenwald. For the past 10 years, we've operated Vanguard Court Watches in California, including San Francisco, Sacramento, and Yolo counties. Our goal? Expose everyday court injustices, and now, more broadly, shine a spotlight on injustices in the entire criminal justice system in the form of wrongful convictions, police and prosecutorial misconduct, and mass incarceration. This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday injustice. Today on Everyday Injustice, we have Andrew Warren, who was state attorney in Hillsborough County, Florida, which includes Tampa. Welcome, Andrew. How are things going right now in Tampa? David, thanks so much for having me. Uh, they're going pretty well. You know, down south, our neighbors in the Fort Myers, Sanibel area have been uh, decimated by Hurricane Ian. And as a lot of us, you know, start getting back to what's normal in the rest of the state and the rest of the country, it's important that we remember for so many, normal is a very long way off. Um, so we had Andrew Warren on our show a couple of years ago. And we talked about um, his reform agenda. And one of the interesting things I found um, was that he had started out as a federal prosecutor um, and uh, by some standards, fairly moderate in uh, program and approach and agenda. Um, so this was not, you know, one of the uh, reform prosecutors that were former public defenders suddenly taking over a prosecutor's office. This was a career prosecutor, right? That's right. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm proud to have uh, taken a sensible approach to criminal justice from before I was elected in 2016. I was really proud of the fact that in a purple county like Hillsborough County, I had support for my 2020 reelection from Republicans and Democrats. My reelection committee was almost half and half because a lot of these ideas are not partisan, right? It's about making our community safer. It's about figuring out ways to do more in terms of investing in safety so that we keep our community safe down the road so that we're not wasting dollars in the revolving door of the system about prevention and rehabilitation. And I could go on and on, but the point is that these ideas don't lend themselves to left or right, Democrat, Republican. These are just common sense ideas that most people support when they learn about them. And that's why I was so proud to have the support of people across the political spectrum here. So how is it that you end up on the wrong side of the governor? Well, that's a question really for the governor. Uh, you know, the governor and I had kind of butted heads before. Um, I was a, a strong supporter of the uh, constitutional amendment to restore voting rights to returning citizens back in 2018 that the legislature you know, passed a law to undermine and then there was a, a prolonged court battle about that. Uh, the governor and I disagreed about COVID policy uh, where 
we ended up with the cooperation of our sheriff here arresting and prosecuting a, a church mega pastor who just said, I'm not going to follow local ordinance uh, during the height of the pandemic. Um, you know, and ultimately, this appears to be about my positions on abortion and standing up for transgender rights. And these are two of the governor's favorite divisive culture war issues. And he apparently saw an opportunity just to say, I disagree with Andrew on these positions and we're gonna remove him from office or suspend me technically um, for speaking out. And that's a violation of my constitutional rights. And it's a violation more importantly of the rights of the 1.5 million people who live in Hillsborough County who I represent through an election. And my first reaction when I heard about this was, wait, can the governor actually do this? I think that's a fair reaction. Uh, a lot of people are surprised, you know, when they hear about a governor or any executive overturning a fair and free election. And look, in this country, we, there's been a lot of debate about, you know, whether the 2020 election was stolen. You don't have to look that far. The 2020 election was stolen right here in Hillsborough County at a local level, you know, the governor said, I don't like the guy who won and I'm gonna suspend him from office. And that's where we are now. Um, and so I, I've heard this story, but just to share with, with our listeners, um, uh, how did you learn about this? Well, it's, you know, it's a bit ironic. The day I was suspended, I was working on a case uh, two cold cases that had remained unsolved for 39 years. And I was actually physically sitting in the grand jury, supervising, filing charges against these two men who had raped and killed two women from 1983, crimes that had never gone punished. And it was at that moment that I received an email that mentioned a suspension and I walked upstairs to my office and within minutes, there was uh, someone from the governor's office and an armed deputy, and they basically told me I'd been suspended. They hand me, handed me a copy of the suspension, uh, not even a complete copy of it. They didn't give me time to read it. They didn't give me time to talk to my staff. They didn't give me time to even collect my belongings. You know, my, my house keys were still left in the office, and I was escorted out of the office. And because I have tremendous respect for law enforcement, I knew that it wasn't the time to argue it right then and there when an armed deputy is telling me that I have to leave the building. I complied with his instruction and I left the building. And of course, we've since mounted a fight. There's so much more at stake than my job. I mean, we can get into it, but this is, this is a fight for democracy. It's a fight for the integrity of our elections. And just the way it all happened to be completely blindsided by this um, was very difficult. Have you at some point talked to the governor or have, has there never been a conversation? No, never about this. I, I've had one conversation with the governor. I met him in passing at an event a few years ago and we said hello and that was about it. So what did you do after you're basically thrown out of your own office? Um, I, I mean, how do you react to this? Well, I'll tell you my singular focus that day was on making sure that the indictment continued, that the grand jury process went on so that these two men could be charged with a crime. And the reason why is because I had been talking with the family members for a while about this. In fact, one of the victims in those cases, 
a person had been wrongfully convicted. And our office discovered that and exonerated the person a few years back. So I had been in touch with the family members and they had been so patient knowing that the person was wrongfully convicted, that the actual killers were out there. And I had promised those families that I would be in touch with them personally, not just over the phone. They were waiting to meet in my office to hear the results of the indictment so that they could finally have that beginning sense of closure to know that the people who brutally murdered their loved ones were going to be held accountable and brought to justice. And the suspension did not deter me from that. I was still making sure that the process was going forward the best I could. I was still talking with uh, the family members and ultimately ended up meeting with them that day and got word that the indictment had gone through and was able to sit with the family members and give them the good news. Um, but from your perspective, I mean, who are you calling when, when, when you're being taken out? I mean, who's your first call to, just out of curiosity? Oh, I think my first call was um, to my communications director um, because we had a press conference planned for that day in anticipation of the indictment of those two four-decade-old cold cases. Um, I honestly don't even remember who else my first calls were to. I, I know my wife wasn't my first call, but she was in the top three once the dust had settled a little bit and, and it really hadn't started to settle at all. But once I, I caught my breath, I called my wife. I told her what happened. She thought I was joking. I said no. And I told her I'd have to call her later. Um, you know, there was a lot of work still to do that day. Um, so, you know, when, when you figured out what was going on, I mean, uh, what options did you have at that point? I, I think there are really two options. One is that um, I could have just gone along with it. I, I could have said, all right, the governor suspended me, you know, I'll resign or I'll let this go to the Senate to vote on it. But I'm, I've spent my career as a prosecutor. I'm not one to go down without a fight. And this is something that is so undemocratic, so un-American, such an assault on our constitutional rights to have uh, an elected official throw out an election and remove someone from office who won a fair and free election. I mean, I don't work for the governor. I work for the people who elected me. I work for the constituents of Hillsborough County, Florida. And so it's just not in my nature to say, well, this is going to be tough. You know, the governor is the governor. I guess there's nothing I can do. No way. So we started fighting back, I mean, immediately. And we ended up fighting, filing a legal challenge in court because we knew that this was a violation of constitutional law, Florida law, and most importantly, just a violation of the core principle of our democracy. So I'm gonna get into that in a second, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, what the reaction was in your community. Were people backing you? Were people kind of divided along partisan lines? How was it kind of playing out? Well, I think people are, uh, were shocked at what happened. Um, you know, one of the most encouraging things that I've heard uh, since the suspension was people and multiple people who have said to me, Andrew, I didn't vote for you. And one of them even said, I'm not sure I'd vote for you next time, but this is wrong. This is not how our country is supposed to work. And so there are, of course, 
so many people who in this day and age of politics see everything through a partisan lens, but this should outrage everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent. It shouldn't matter that it's a Republican governor with a Democratic state attorney. If it were a Democratic governor with a Republican state attorney, no one wants this to happen. No one should condone this because this is an attack on the meaning of our elections. I mean, look, uh, David, think about it this way. If the governor is allowed to do this and suspend someone without legal justification, and we view it only through a partisan lens, what's left of our democracy? What's the purpose of having elections anymore? Just let the governor choose. That's the way it happens in the, those democracies in North Korea and Venezuela and China, where the leader, the king, just dictates who gets to serve in positions of office. But that's not how America works. And it's refreshing to know that people who are supportive of the governor generally have told me that they strongly disagree with this and they see this for what it is, a blatant abuse of power. Yeah, I mean, I think you raise a good point because, you know, if the governor can just remove everybody, uh, then basically the governor is, uh, quote unquote, the dictator, right? Uh, they can decide who serves in local office. And the whole point of having local elections is that the governor doesn't get to appoint everybody. That's right. I mean, that, that's exactly right. Our constitution sets forth what positions the people decide, you know, what positions are elected and what positions are appointed. This is an elected position. That should be the end of it. So what does the state law say in terms of the power of the governor to suspend you? So state law does give the governor limited authority to suspend elected officials. Uh, historically, that's been used in cases where uh, people have committed a crime uh, or where you know, if somebody is incapacitated, for example, they have a stroke and they can no longer actually perform the functions. Uh, but, you know, to see this power be used in a way because uh, a governor disagrees with how somebody's doing their job is extremely troubling. And, and let's be clear. I mean, I've done my job. I've done it extremely well. And most importantly, I've done it in a way that the voters want me to do it. You know, we've embraced those smart reforms that actually make our community safer. Uh, crime is down in Hillsborough County uh, over the last five years by some 30%. You know, we've made really big strides in terms of investing in prevention and rehabilitation and focusing on the most serious threats to our community, the violent criminals, the serious fraudsters, the repeat offenders. We've found innovative ways to actually make our community safer, to make our neighborhoods safe, to use tax dollars wisely. So this is, has never been a question about how I'm doing my job. This, is, this reeks of pure partisanship. It's a political stunt. And that's why we're going to trial about it now. Um, and in the state law, I mean, does it go to a vote in the Senate or how does it work? Yeah, if, if there is a lawful exercise of that power, under state law, then it would go to the Senate uh, for a vote. I see. Um, and so I assume what you're claiming in court, and stop me if you can't get into it because there's pending litigation, but uh, what you're claiming is that this was an unlawful use of this power. Right. And, and, and I, I appreciate it. I mean, I can't get into the weeds of it because there is litigation going on, and we want to make sure that you know, we protect the integrity of that case. 
But in short, I mean, this is a pretty clear cut case. You know, the governor doesn't have the power to suspend me for things that I've said, for speaking out on issues that are not just important to me, but are important to the job that I do as state attorney. And so I spoke out about abortion and transgender rights, which I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago. And that's the basis for the governor's suspension. So this is a First Amendment constitutional claim where they violated my constitutional rights and the rights of the voters who elected me. And is this in state court or is it in federal court? It's in federal court because it's a constitutional question under the U.S. Constitution under the First Amendment. You know, the reason, there's a reason why they put it up front in the Bill of Rights, because the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression is so critical and fundamental to our freedoms as Americans. Um, and do you have any idea what the timeline is for this? We do. So the case is set for trial uh, to begin the week after Thanksgiving, November 29th. Now, we had filed our case in mid-August. We'd asked for uh, quick relief. We basically asked for the judge to put me back in office before the case even went through the full process of going to trial and all the discovery and all the legal process that can take weeks and months and often years. And, you know, the judge declined to do that. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating that it's taken longer than I would have hoped. But the reality is that this was never about me. This is about the process to make sure that the governor can't overthrow democracy. Trials, are always about a search for the truth. And now we're gonna get that truth because the judge has said in going to trial, he wants the governor to come in and explain uh, essentially how the governor didn't violate the rights, not only of me, but of the one and a half million people in Hillsborough County who elected me. Um, and then, you know, you see this obviously as, as kind of a partisan ploy by the governor the governor, as everybody knows, is basically running for president, even though, you know, he hasn't formally announced it. Um, you know, do you see this as the reason for you being targeted more that, that you're kind of a reformer or do you see it as you're more of a, you know, more liberal than he is? It, again, I can't speculate as to why the governor singled me out. What I can tell you is that um, the governor, whatever his motivations are, whether he's running for president or he's trying to you know, out-Trump Trump, this was a political stunt. I mean, there was no factual basis involved. That's what the, the trial was about. But this is, it's not one of those stunts that just, oh, why are people doing this? This is a stunt that has a really dangerous impact on our democracy. It has a chilling effect on elected officials' willingness to speak out. You know, transparency is supposed to be a virtue. We want elected officials to be candid and transparent about where they stand on issues. And now you have people afraid to come out and speak their mind and tell the people where they stand because, you know, think about the people who the governor has attacked for speaking out against him. You know, first he went after businesses, Disney and the Special Olympics, then he went after teachers, now a public servant, and this is really dangerous and people have reason to be concerned, you know, if they say things that displease the governor. And I don't know if you want to get into it, but what are your thoughts on, you know, his migrant bus stunt? 
Well, look, lots of outside people have, you know, observed that this may have been illegal or maybe a political stunt. And, and I don't know. I mean, the facts on that need to come out. As a prosecutor, we don't prejudge things. So let's see what the facts and evidence are. And I hope that there is a thorough investigation about it because the people have a right to know. You know, $12 million is being spent on this. That's money that could have been used to improve our schools, to invest in small businesses, to, to support our and fix our failing you know, insurance system. I, I mean, look, I, I feel bad for anyone who has to go down to the people in Fort Myers where the hurricane has been and say, sorry, we may not be able to give you the support that we need because we're spending $12 million to fly migrants up to Massachusetts. I, it's very strange indeed. But again, I hope that the facts come out and that whoever was behind this, if indeed it broke the law, are held accountable. Do you think the governor's changed at all by what happened with the hurricane or you think it's just business as usual? It, it's hard to say. I can tell you this, that, you know, I am no fan of the governor. Um, obviously, we have our differences that are manifesting right now in this lawsuit and my legal suspension. But when it comes to the hurricane, we all want the governor to succeed. We want the state to succeed. We want Florida to come together to rebuild the communities that have been damaged. I mean, we're talking about lives that have been lost and homes and life savings. And this is just, it's, it's devastating to people. And there's a bigger question at stake here. You know, when did we as a country stop expecting, stop demanding that our elected officials act as leaders and as statesmen and as, as grownups that can be role models for our kids? You know, so many, so much politics today has become political theater and stunts and spectacles and trying to, you know, just stick it to the other side. We need people to solve problems. And in a time of real leadership, I hope that what's going to happen, because we owe it to the people of Florida who have been really hurt by the hurricane. So one, one of the questions and one of the concerns I think I have as somebody uh, who does a lot of work in the criminal justice reform area is that you know, and, and your situation might be slightly different than some of the others, but it really does look like there is this nationwide kind of backlash against reform prosecutors. Uh, I live out in California uh, and uh, we just had Chase Bodine who was recalled and George Gascon down in LA was uh, almost uh, faced a recall. Uh, we've been watching what's happening in, uh, Philadelphia with Larry Krasner and facing possible impeachment. Um, you know, there have been moves against reform prosecutors in places like Virginia. Um, and, and you're actually not even the first reform prosecutor in Florida to face uh, difficulty. RMS uh, uh, Ayala uh, faced, um, you know, was uh, had uh, death penalty cases removed from her, which caused her not to seek re-election. Um, so, I, I mean, is this part of a movement that's trying to constrain reform or is this something a little different uh, in your case? Well, I think it really depends on the situation. Um, you know, where when the voters decide that the person in office is not the person they want in office anymore, then that's how democracy works. So a recall election, where the voters say, this man, this woman is not doing the job that we elected him or her to do, 
or has taken us in a different direction, then okay, that's that's what elections are for. It's different when you know state legislatures or governors are saying the people voted for this person and they trust this person's judgment and they share this person's vision, but I am saying that I don't like this person, so I'm not gonna let them serve. That's a very different role. And we've seen these attacks on democracy in a lot of different avenues now from you know rolling back changes from making changes in the law about how we actually have elections to how ballots are counted to how people can vote and whether you can give out water to someone waiting in line to there's so many different pieces of this fight going on and it's really important that like so many other issues Americans look past the politics of the particular issue and they focus on the underlying values. If you believe in democracy, then let the people decide. If you believe that everybody should be voting and that we should have fair and free elections, let's make sure that happens and not try to overthrow elections and not try to make it harder for people to vote. But right now, as I said before, people are looking through things through this very starkly partisan lens and it's really dangerous for our democracy and for the stability of our country going forward. Yeah, and you know, I think that parlays back into what we have seen now with the investigations coming out into what happened on January 6th as well, where, you know, you have a segment of the country and again, you know, it quickly becomes partisan, but you know, if you think about it, you know, the paramount part of democracy is is the acceptance that the person with the most votes wins, however that's structured. And so the moment that you don't accept losing um, is the moment that democracy really ceases. That, that's right. I mean, look, it is very easy to support the rule of law only when convenient. It's very easy to say, I believe in the constitution. I believe in freedom of speech. I believe in freedom of religion when I agree with what the person's saying or I share their religion. But that's not what the Constitution's there for. That's not what the rule of law is about. To be an American is to embrace those core values that say, I respect someone's right to speak freely even when I disagree with what they're saying. If I truly believe in freedom of religion, I'm okay with people from a different religion having a voice in what's happening in our country. And we see people who you know, wear this false cloak of patriotism, where they say that they are staunch supporters of the Constitution, but not all the time, where they're staunch supporters of law enforcement, except when law enforcement is, you know, going and investigating the politician that they like. It doesn't work that way. You can't only support institutions when convenient. If you truly believe in democracy, if you truly believe in our values, then you support those institutions and those values at all times, even when it's inconvenient for your own political position. And so not to strike too pessimistic a tone here, but I, I mean, do you see, you know, overall and, and, and not just looking at your own situation, that democracy in this country is at risk? I do, but I say that with a caveat. You know, I think it's dangerous a lot of the 
uh, authoritarianism we're seeing around the country that people are, you know, say they're okay with like a strong person, a strong leader who wasn't elected. They're okay with people taking away the rights of other people as long as they don't, you know, it wasn't their rights taken away. That's really dangerous. But at the same time, I look at what happens in the community. You know, if you turn off the cable news sometimes and stop watching the people who are constantly fighting and bickering over politics, and you look at how people work together at a local level, whether it's at a PTA meeting or at a, you know, American Cancer Society event, people come together to do what's right far more often than not. And that gives me hope because at the end of the day, you know, the longevity of our country rests in the people who live here. And those people give me a lot of confidence um, for what they believe in. So going forward, I mean, obviously this lawsuit is going to play out. Is there another avenue for you? Well, my focus right now is on uh, getting back to do the job that I was elected to do and to making sure that this can't happen to other voters around the state, that their votes don't just get thrown away. You know, as I said, I'm, I'm fighting to make sure that, you know, no elected official, no governor can steal the people's vote or silence their voice. So that is my sole focus right now. And we look forward to a trial at the end of November. And is there any kind of movement to curtail this other than, you know, the avenue that you're pursuing or is this really it? This appears to be it at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm waiting uh, to get back in office uh, to do what I was elected to do, uh, to finish the promise and the pledges I made to the people of, of my community uh, to serve. And so that's where this fight is right now. Yeah, and I guess where I'm going with this question is, is more along the lines of, uh, and, and we kind of saw this, you know, uh, back uh, after the 2020 election, um, that, you know, there was kind of this denial and, and, and it, it always looked like, you know, it was eventually going to play out the, that the right person was going to be placed into office, but it never appeared like, like wiser heads were going to say, hey, you know, it's kind of enough. Um, this is not how we're supposed to operate in this country. And there was never somebody in a position to say stop who said stop. Well, uh, I'm an eternal optimist, so I, I think there's always hope for people who have done something wrong, for people who have strayed from, you know, the freedoms and core values of our country to come back to those values. Maybe that happens in my case, maybe that happens, you know, more broadly in our state and our country. But, you know, again, we're focused on going and winning this case uh, because there's so much at stake. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your fascinating um, and depressing story. Um, but we'll be watching and hopefully it'll have a happy ending. Well, I hope that it's an inspiring story. You know, it's about standing up for what you believe in and standing up, you know, alongside the people of my community who have been fighting with me and for me uh, because they know how important this is. And people can stay tuned to what's happening with the trial. Uh, at andrewwarrenfl.com. And uh, I look forward to being back and talking about what happens after we win. Thank you to George Powell and Norman Mousequake Barrett 
for the use of our opening Everyday Injustice. You can see more of George's music at www.justiceforgeorgepowell.com. That's justiceforgeorgepowell, all one word, dot com.